Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, I just want to say, actually, just on the back of what Andy said, Andy, that was tremendous. Like every single one of those, uh, uh, after we got after the food questions, it was, it was really like profound. Uh, and I thought that, that stuff about the prayer, Pastor Shell spoke this morning about how uh, for starting next week, we're going to be sort of uh, pursuing sort of a, a four minutes for four weeks sort of... Uh, I don't know, like sort of uh, discipline or, or we're going to do it in church and just to sort of push ourselves into sort of a new atmosphere of prayer. And, uh, and Pastor Kevin also mentioned that uh, we're going to be having uh, the Overwatch prayer meetings for all of the guys. And that's going to run every single week from, uh, from is it this Friday? Yeah. From this Friday uh, up until the, sometime in the summer. And, and it's going to be 7 o'clock. And we're just going to get together as guys and we're going to pray. And we're going to have that boldness, right? Yeah. We're going to walk in that boldness. We're going to step forward, step out, and uh, just... Out of the comfort zones. Uh, uh, I've spoken to so many people over the last week that just have felt like we're on the precipice of something, yeah. something new. Like there's yeah. something different. Yeah. It's, it's, it's everything's been building. It's, it's, it's the seasons have a purpose, right? They, yeah. they have a meaning. They prepare for the next season. And that's, that's what's happening in the house. And, uh, you know, it's, it's awesome. We've just finished the, uh, the Passion series. We've, we've, we've really just sort of explored Jesus going to the cross and like the next thing we're doing is the presence of God, you know, the spirit of God coming down. It's, it's, it's the, you know what, there's the, I think some actual sort of thought and planning has gone into this. It's just, it's just really incredible. I'm, I'm blown away. But uh, yeah, we're going to be doing the presence series now. And I have to be honest, a bit of a confession for the, for the first, at least the first five minutes, it might have been the first ten minutes of Kevin's preach. Uh, I, I might not have taken a single thing of it in. And, and that's not because uh, it wasn't awesome. I'm sure that it was. It was, I was just admiring this. Like, I, 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 I love all these. But I'll be honest with you. This is what I was kind of going through my head. It's wake up in the morning. Just wake up. Oh, you know what? Let's get a bit of light in the house. Let's get a little bit of light in the house. Open up my Venetian blinds. Laura, there's a guy with a beard outside our house. He's pretending not to look in here. Call the police. At least ten minutes. Very handsome man though, isn't he? They say guys with beards are hiding something. I mean, anyway. There we go. I'm not sure if that's the sort of presence you want. Like, oh. It's like that person who sort of sidles up to you and you like smell them before you see them. It's like, ugh. <laughs> but we're not talking about that kind of presence. <laughs> we just actually this week, uh, Laura and I have had to, uh, we've experienced uh, an, an additional presence in our uh, bedroom for the, last, uh, for the last year or so. Uh, and, and often, you know, we'd have these fairly unwelcome visitations, but it's all right, we've put... Alice into Lily's room now, and so we don't have to share anyway. It's just Lily's problem now. <laughs> I think the final straw was when uh, this week we had a little visit at two o'clock in the morning, and she sat bolt right up in bed, and she was chatting to Laura, like, you know, 
this is, I think we should do this today, we should do that today. And, and I'm at the other side of the bed, and, and every now and again, a little kick in the neck. A little <laughs> kick in the neck, just, you know, right there, right in the jugular. And she'd be like, oh, look at him, look at him, mum. Look at him, look at him flinching. And, oh, he's off to sleep again. Oh, do it again. <laughs> do it again. I think it was round about that time. It's like, right, Laura, I think it's time that she migrates. <laughs> <laughs> She's a toddler now. <laughs> but we're going to talk about we're going to talk about a welcome presence. <laughs> we're talking about the presence of God, you know, and the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. When you have around, it is it is transformative, right? I mean, there's there's lots of superlatives you can use, but I think transformative is is the one I want to go with today. Transformative, it, it changes your life. You know, so many of us probably seek some kind of change or some sort of reform in our lives, and the reality is we so often look for it in the wrong places. And even the educated and mature amongst us still find ourselves sliding towards the wrong answer. And, and yet, the presence of God, when we concentrate, when we focus upon the presence of God, God brings us into a fullness. He brings us into a fullness of life that he intended for us. So we have to realize God created us. He understands us. He, he knows a purpose for us. He knows, he knows the inner workings of us. And he has an intention for our lives. Mm. And it is so much greater than what we often settle for. Yeah. What we, we settle for something, but God has something even greater. And in the presence, in the, in the Holy Spirit, in, 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 in his presence, we, we get such a revelation, get such a, uh, an understanding of the fullness of his calling upon our life. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Well, I got a little verse for you here. Just a little one, just to get us started. Uh, Galatians 5 verse 1 and it says stand fast stand fast stand fast therefore in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage stand fast stand fast therefore in liberty and I read that verse and I think you can skip across a verse like that and be like can somewhat take it for granted, the significance of it. You can, it, can, it can sort of wash over you because it's, it's amazing. And, and I imagine many of us who've been in church for a long time would read that and just be like, amen, brother, glory to God, I take that, and I claim it and name it and, and all that kind of stuff. And we, we have sort of an idea that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thanks God I'm free. But I also think on the other end of the scale... There are probably people who hear that, maybe have never heard of us like that, maybe have never been to church before, maybe someone in your workplace, who, if you were to kind of present them the idea that they weren't free, they'd be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What, do you, yeah. what do you mean I'm not free? Yeah. Of course I'm free. I'm an adult. I can do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. I can stay up late. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can do whatever I want. What do you mean I'm not free? And, and the truth is that I think... In, in, in our sort of humanity, we have, a, we have a pretty difficult time defining what freedom is. What, what the level, the degree of freedom that we live in. You know, we can, it's, it's kind of subjective. Because what do you use as a benchmark for freedom? What, what, what do you measure it by? Like if you, if you want to measure a distance, you have kilometers, miles, feet, inches, millimeters, meters. You've got plenty of forms of units to measure distance and many other things. But freedom, how do we measure freedom? How do you know if you're free or not? How, how would you even, under, uh, why would you even think that you weren't free? Uh, you can look at other people. That's a, that's a benchmark, I guess. You can look at other people. But 
The reality is this, is if you look at other people, are you really seeing them? Or are you seeing their representative, their ambassador? See, ambassadors for countries, they present the best possible picture for the country. And it's like your ambassador presents the best possible picture of yourself to other people, right? It's like, this is James. He is awesome. He has no problems whatsoever. He smiles all day long and laughs to himself when no one's around, you know? But but the reality is that's not true. I I mean, I do laugh to myself all around, but, you know, it's because I'm slightly mad. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, you you don't get a sense of someone's, of really what someone's freedom is. Generally, if you get into that comparison with other people, you generally... You feel bad afterwards, right? I mean, you know, it never usually ends particularly well. Uh, and so what we, I think we often do is we base our, our perspective of freedom is, is influenced greatly by our own experience. You know, what, what, we've, what we've lived in, what, what are the, the cumulative years of our lives tell us how we are free. We are free compared with how free or unfree we might have been in the past. But that's a really unreliable way to gauge it. Because it's not calibrated. It, it's, it's, not, it's only calibrated against yourself. It's, it's not real. It's, I could tell you that there was a, you know, what if, what if you were sort of uh, held against your will in a cellar or a basement for 10 years, and then one day, for one day only, your captors let you come up into the sun. You were bound with chains and shackles, but you were allowed one hour in the sun. I guarantee you that would be the most intense sensation of freedom that you would have felt in for as long as you could remember. But that's not what I would call free. That isn't what I would call free. And I I think that God sometimes looks at us and and sees the things that we settle for, sees the compromise that we allow in our lives, the the just those little those little negotiations that we make with ourselves, those little allowances that we say, well, well, sure, this is kind of free. It's more free than if I was doing this. And, and, and we see that, and God looks at that, looks at our lives, look at that little framework that we've built and says, that isn't what I call free. That isn't what I call free. That isn't what I called you to be when I said free. Amen? Amen. So, what do we mistake freedom for? I've got a few questions for you just to kind of take us on a little bit of a journey. But what do we, so this is the first one. Be like, what do you, what do we mistake freedom for? There's a few things. Probably you could talk for hours on what we mistake freedom for. Escape. Escape is a good one that we mistake it for. That sort of dereliction of responsibility, that, that escaping from whatever obligations might be upon our lives. We, 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 we think that being free uh, would be to escape from our circumstances. But that's not really free. You know, the, the, the circumstances you're in, the, the obligations that might be upon your life, they aren't necessarily, in fact, they are not what stifle you. See, God wants us to discover a liberty within the purpose and accountability and responsibilities of our lives. We can find a liberty within that. It it says in Romans 12 verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what uh, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, 
Obligations can conform us. We feel like hemmed in by them. We, the, 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 the responsibilities of our lives feel like they, 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 they're changing us, changing us from who we want to be, the, the, the powers of freedom that we would love to have, and we feel conformed them. But, but God just says, says, don't be conformed by it, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of your mind, transform your mindset. In Colossians 3 verse 23, it says, and whatever you do, Whatever you do. That's not just the things that you want to do. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to God and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you trapped by your choices? Are you trapped by them or are we just resisting the outworking of God's plan in our lives? Are we just resisting? God, we, we, we think, God, rescue me from my circumstances. God said, I put you in those circumstances. I am outworking a plan in your life. You are not to escape from this plan. You are to prosper in this plan. I don't see that you'll be downtrodden, but, it, but raised up. You are not going to be the least. I'm going to make you the most. But you don't get that by escaping. It's this idea that, that, that freedom is, is sort of uh, doing whatever you think, think, saying whatever you think, doing whatever you think, being sort of that sort of religion of emotion. You know, if I, if I, I trust your feelings. If I feel it, if I, if, I, if I think it, then it must be true. Whatever the circumstance, if I, whatever way I react must be true because I am being true to myself. There's, you know that? That, that sort of idea that we are, uh, whatever we think, whatever we feel, somehow is a justification for whatever behavior might come forth from that, whatever might manifest. Uh, we think that might be the personification of being free, is to just live without restraint. But to live with that sort of that religion of emotion, that's actually the lie that binds us the most. Yeah. It's actually the lie. It seems, it's like, it's, it, it's sort of, Shown marketed as freedom, but it's backloaded with burden. It's like, a, it's like going to a loan shark. Like you get your money, but you carry a huge amount of debt on the outside. It car- you carry something so much more, but it looks quite enticing, but it weighs you down. It said in the first verse that I read, entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Entangled again with a yoke of bondage. And, and when we live life with that sort of, uh, that, that, complete irresponsibility of, of the way that we conduct our, our emotions and, and, and we just allow ourselves to spill onto others. It's like we ricochet through life. Just ricochet. When you, when you see, see in, I mean, nobody here, I imagine, has ever seen a bullet actually ricochet. We've probably seen thousands in films. <laughs> and it's like, the whole point is with a ricochet is you have no idea where it's going. It's totally out of control. And when we sort of splurge our emotions out there, we don't really have any control of where they end up. They just, boom, they just go. And they ricochet wherever they want. And, and, and it, based on the, the positivity or negativity of our emotions, it, it, it has this effect of tying our soul in knots. Yeah. You imagine that, that just, that just ties on that ricochet and as if there was a thread that was attached to it. It, just, it ties your soul in knots. You become knotted up on the inside. I think that's how we recognize we're not free. If we ever want any sort of definition, it's like you think about yourself and you feel so knotted up. Knotted up on the inside. And that's, that's the subtlety of sin. That's 
that's the subtlety of its influence upon our lives. The, the shade that it casts over every situation. It, it impairs our vision. It, 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 it skews our perception. We see situations through this prism of sort of raw emotion. And, and we are sort of compelled to behave accordingly. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're compelled. Uh, and sin, sin thrives on impulse. It thrives on impulse. In Romans 7, verse 18, Paul says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Just as that impulse, just feel the compulsion to respond in a certain way. And, and, and it returns these wages. The wages of sin and death is what the Bible says. But it has this effect. If you, if you think of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as being the, the, the Holy Trinity, the unholy Trinity of insecurity, rejection, and inferiority is what we get when we sort of get back those wages of sin of rejection, of, of insecurity, inferiority. And it has this effect of harnessing us, holding us back. All of us will know at that time where you feel like you should say something, that you could resolve a situation, but you're bound up. That knot is tight. And you can't step out. You can't say the words. You can't make that, that motion that would bring resolution. We're blinded by it. That truth we cannot see. We just see shades of truth mixed with shades of lies. And, and the thing is, you can't, you can't have no depth. You have no perception. Muzzled. Muzzled. The, the, the expression of our hearts, the expression of our souls towards God is repressed. Held back. Reined in. Where we want to go this way, where we feel called to go this way, but reined in. Curbed. Driven, pressed, away from where we always intended. So that we end up over here instead of over there. That's what sin does. That's the subtlety of sin. That's the subtlety of, 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 of impulse. It, it, it just takes us away and ties us in that knot. So what does, what does freedom look like in action? If that, if that what I've just described, is, is, what, is what not freedom is, what, what is freedom? I think, amongst many things you could describe it as, I think it is that you see your surroundings, you see your past, you see your present, you see your future without bias. Just see it without bias. You're not compelled, you're not tied up, you're not reined in so that your responses are automatic, default, but you can see the circumstances of your lives You can see what is surrounding you. You can see the decisions that you've made in the past and you can accept responsibility for them. And you can see the choices before you that you need to make and you can take responsibility for them. And you can take control. When I say control, sorry, control is probably not the right word. But you can take responsibility for what is happening right now in your life and you can see it clear with clarity. You can see it unbiased. Unbiased unbiased that is, that is a freedom of thought and I think that that is that is underrated yeah. 
that is seriously underrated. What, what seems to be overrated is the idea that you see the world through your own prism. And if you just, that's my truth. And, and my truth will set me free. No, no, no. Your truth will bind you up in a knot. It's God's truth that will set you free. Amen? It's what it says. John 8. I just beat myself to it. John 8, 32. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. And you're capable of, 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 of making choices of what your response might be. Rather than being a prisoner of the moment. A victim of, of, of whatever reaction that you might have. Ephesians 3.16 says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. And that's what his spirit does. It strengthens your inner man. That your inner man is no longer sort of, is no longer compelled by the inconsistencies around us. The inconsistencies that surround us, no longer influenced by that, that, that our confession and our testimony are diminished. That the Spirit sets us free from that, that external pressures no longer impede the call of God upon your life. They are just the obstacles that you know that you are going to overcome. Not the crushing blow that changes course. So where is our source of freedom? 2 Corinthians 3, 16 to 18. This is one of my favorite verses. Particularly the last bit. It says, nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. I love bits in the Bible where there's a turn of phrase that doesn't make any sense. Like on, on the surface. And, and from glory to glory it's one of those things that like if you leave yourself to your own devices you could probably come up with a reason for it without like doing any sort of actual research. But you could just, oh, well, it probably means this or it probably means that. But what it, what it means, the, the say, it's the same word glory used in Greek, but in actual fact, it refers, they ha, it has a different implications. The first glory implies the old covenant, and the second glory implies the new co- uh, covenant. You see, and we don't always think about the, the old, we don't think about the law as being glorious because it doesn't make us feel very glorious, right? <laughs> but think of it like this. It's like, that is the definition that God put upon righteousness. That is, that is what God said. This, oh, you want to know what righteousness is? This is what righteousness is. You, you, you want to be, live a good life? This is what a good life is. And it is, without any exception, you get no cheat days. This is, from the moment you're born to the moment you die, these are... The, the laws that define righteousness. Yeah. And humanity is so incapable. I, I, I was thinking about it. when It's like, I, I don't know if you ever you played that kid's game, Operation. Mm-hmm. And you try to take the little sort of, uh, whatever ailment is in this sort of body. And you take the tweezers. And as soon as you touch the side, it goes beep, beep, beep. And I feel like that's my life. I, 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 I would just like, I'm trying to take the things, beep, beep, beep. Oh dear, that's me failed. Jesus, Jesus went 33 years. He went his entire life and he, ke- and he kept that. I could not go 33 seconds probably and keep that. That is, that is the, the degree by which we fail 
But that doesn't mean that it's not glorious. That doesn't mean that it doesn't talk. You think it, instead of referring it to ourselves, let's refer it to God. Let's think, and let's think about God and let's think about Jesus. What did Jesus do? He came and died for our sins. One thing he did is he lived without sin, which is glorious, which is glorious. But while that is glorious, the glory, it says from glory to glory, the glory of the new covenant far surpasses that of the old. The physical glory of the old, the physical, the, the, the tablets of stone in which God, with his finger, wrote them out. is surpassed, it's transcended by the spiritual nature of the new covenant. Let me read to you 2 Corinthians 3 verse 3. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone but on tablets of human hearts. Not written with ink, written with the Spirit. Not written on something physical, something written on your your soul, written on your heart. Our obedience to God is no longer springs up from, you know, we're no longer sort of compelled to do something that we are incapable of doing. Uh, Our obedience springs up from that God-given desire to follow him, to make him happy, because the new covenant is written upon our heart. Romans 8 verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. It has made me free. The law of the spirit of Jesus Christ has made me free. It's made you free. It's made mankind free. How does this, how does this presence Bring about our freedom. Well, you remember that knot that I was talking about earlier. That knot that we find ourselves tangled in. Freedom is the undoing of that knot. It's the undoing of it. John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. When the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. See, time in his presence... This is why what Pastor Cheryl was talking about this morning about prayer and getting into prayer is, is so important. We can, we can legalize this stuff. We can be like, oh, well, you know, I, I, four minutes. I mean, you know, that's, that's, where does it say in the Bible you have to pray for four minutes? You're missing the point if you're asking that question. That's not the question. The question is time in his presence. And the reason we require time in his presence is because as you spend time in his presence... If you imagine that, that knot, imagine it's like on a cord. It's all tied up in the middle. And when you're not in his presence, the longer you're not in his presence, that cord just gets pulled tighter and tighter and tighter. But when you come into his presence, it just loosens. It just loosens. And, and as you spend time in his presence, it just loosens enough. The spirit just works. And he says he'll guide you in truth, yeah. all truth. And he just unravels it. He just unravels it. But if you just occasionally visit with him, if you just occasionally spend time in his presence, if it is like a vacation, you flit in and out when it's convenient, then you're not permitting him to untangle the knot within. You're just not. 
You need to spend that time in his presence. You need to spend that time so that that knot can just be untangled. And when we, and when we don't, when we come out of that and we just allow that, we allow the, the tension in our life, the tension that rises up out of nowhere, but always rears its head at some point, it just pulls it tight again. It just pulls it real tight again. And, it, and, and you're kind of right back where you started. We sometimes come into those times of the presence. We come into the presence of God and, and we make it about that knot. God, you know, I've got this knot on the inside. God, please take away this knot. God, this knot is as if God doesn't realize there's not a knot there. As if God is uninterested in the fact that there's a knot there. God's not uninterested. He most likely wants that knot untangled more than even you do. Because he knows your future. He knows what you're being held back from. We're usually just thinking about the here and now. The the battle on the inside. God's thinking about the war to come. You know, he's thinking about the long term. And see, when... When we come to God and we don't, necess- we don't make it about the knot, we make it about him, we make it about his plans and purposes, then your life becomes untangled because that's just what happens when you spend time with God. Because you kind of, it's almost as if you like relinquish the grip that you have upon that shackle. Like you hold so tightly to the shackle. Hold so tightly to that chain that's wrapped around you. When you stop focusing on that and start thinking about what God has called you for, what God is speaking into your life, then the perception changes. The focus, it takes you from a focus of your iniquity to one of your identity. One of your iniquity, where all you could think about is what you want to be rid of, to one where he, you're inquiring about who you are in him. Yeah. And now when I say identity, that's what I mean. People look for confidence in their own identity, but the identity that you have authored in Christ is impervious. It cannot be undermined. It can't be taken away. It can't be lied about because it's impervious, because it is a foundation stronger than anything that could come against it. If you, if you take validation from something, it, it dictates your worth. And, and we, all, we all look, we all take our value from the things around us. We, we, that's just, we, we find value in context. Value is found in context. If, you know, what value has gold if everyone's starving? What value has bread if you're at an all-you-can-eat buffet? You know? Thing, you have value dependent on what you take validation from. And, and when we take our validation from God, you know, you, you find the purpose that sits beyond anything natural that we can touch and define for ourselves. The genius within you, and every single one of you has genius within you, is only appreciated. It only comes to fruition when it's found within the purpose that God created it. Your gift only finds meaning when you have someone to share it with. 
What good is a gift if you cannot give it away? At the, uh, at the prayer meeting we had on Sunday, I'm just going to finish up in a second, so maybe someone can come up and play the keys. <laughs> we had, uh, we, while we were praying, I, I had this picture that uh, I shared, and I, I felt like I wanted to finish on it tonight because I felt like it really, it was a very powerful vi- uh, image, a very powerful picture for the church. And it was looking, it basically was the comparison between identity and individualism. Identity deeming something that we find in God and individualism being sort of somewhat the religion of the day. Like you are, find your, you are an individual. And, And I saw these two sort of animals that kind of represented that. It's a little Aesop's tailish, but uh, I saw one, I saw a porcupine, a hedgehog or a porcupine. And it's prickly and, and it has all these points all of these uh, yeah, all these pointers spikes yeah spikes I couldn't think of the word spikes and they all point out in different ways and, and they're all at odds with each other they're all totally individual but they all stand out and, and none of them really work for the other one they just they're all individual they all stick out in it and it makes coming close difficult They just are at odds with each other. That's the world. I have my individualism at the expense of yours. I'm at odds with you because my truth isn't your truth. But identity, I saw like an armadillo. And it has all of these plates that just sort of sit on top of each other. But they're like perfectly aligned. They, They all are different. They're all distinct. But they have a purpose because they all sit aligned with one another. And they have the purpose of creating security and, 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 and protection for the armadillo. It's like God isn't asking you to be assimilated into the church. You have an identity. You have a purpose. And it's probably not this, exactly the same as anybody else's, but it overlaps. It overlaps. And we find freedom when we find that context. When we find our place in the house of God. That's when we find our freedom. That's when we find the space to be able to realize the potential upon our lives. I was so blessed by OJ when he, he led worship this morning, this, this evening. I must have caught that from you, Laura. I was so blessed by it and I thought what an extravagant gift that God has placed upon your life OJ what an absolutely extravagant gift and yet I also felt like God was saying there is so much more I need to put into you because there is so much more I want to draw out of you there is so much more he has in store and in the future but but OJ, that, I'm sure you would be the first to agree. That gift has value in the house. I bet you sing like nothing else in the shower. <laughs> I'm sure your, your neighbors love it. But when you lead worship like that and you set the place on fire, man, God is using you for something greater than like the sum of your parts. Amen? Amen. Why don't we all stand up?
Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.